Welcome to In Your Area, a podcast designed by area to update, educate, and refresh realtors, brokers, and industry stakeholders on topics that matter most to you. Listen on the go, in your car, at a coffee shop, wherever your day takes you. This is a podcast designed with today's busy realtor in mind. Here is today's host, Corinne Lyle. Okay, welcome to In Your Area, a podcast for Alberta Realtors on the Move. Podcasting for the boardroom of the Alberta Real Estate Association, I am Corinne Lyle, your host for Realtor Incorporated. I am also broker owner at Royal LePage Benchmark here in Calgary, and I am a 2018 member of the Area Board of Directors and the Area Professional Development Committee. I began my career 21 and a half years ago. I was 12, and at the time, (laughs) I was unsure on how to answer some of these questions we're going to discuss today. And I would suggest, um, as a broker, it would be a question I get at least 50% of the time when new agents enter the industry. um, They want to know, should I be incorporated or not? Just as a personal experience, uh, I was mentored by... Uh, My mother and some of the realtors who may be listening might remember her name is Jan Lyle. And she said something really great to me. uh, And she continued to say to many realtors as they entered the industry, it only makes sense to incorporate when you uh, spend less money than you make. And so that was something that stayed with me. And I imagine that uh, um, our experts over here agree. Um, So joining me. Are our experts, uh, Charles Asuji, am I saying that correctly, Charles? Okay. And Jim Smith of Asuji and Smith Lawyers. Can you each tell me a little bit about yourself and, and why you've been invited here today? So as um, Corinne has correctly stated, my name is Charles Asuji, and I'm the managing partner of Asuji and Smith Lawyers. I was called to the Alberta Bar in 2014. Um, I was a student of Jim's, and I took over from Jim last year, 2017, uh, we do a lot of um, general practice. We practice in the areas of real estate, employment law, civil litigation, family law, foreclosures, and wisdom estate. Thanks. Jim? Yes, it's, uh, it, that's true that I took Charles in off the street. <laughs> <laughs> you were just wandering on the street and he pulled you in. Nice. I dragged him in. He couldn't get away. And uh, he was an excellent student. And he's become an excellent lawyer. And in fact, he's right that he's bought me out so I'm just uh, so I have to do his bidding and uh, I do the best I can but uh, yeah it, there's uh, it's, it's been a very good association and he runs the, the office he's, he's got qualities I've never dreamed of <laughs> it's true. He's, a, he's a sharp dresser I would say that you can't see that always, I hear that in the always. podcast I can describe it I love his pink his pink shirt it looks good very very sharp so getting back to our conversation here, so maybe, um, Charles, you could tell me a little bit about uh, just basic, what is incorporation and who should incorporate, when's the best time, and specifically around real estate, obviously. Incorporation is, an, is a legal entity. And in law, incorporation has independent legal personality, right? So an incorporation um, allows a company to exist. So that is the way a company can come into existence by way of incorporation. And everyone can incorporate, but you have to look at the benefits and the disadvantages of incorporation. Number one, it depends on the kind of business you're running. 
it depends on the, the stage where you are with your business. If you're making $20,000 a year, I wouldn't recommend incorporation. If you're making more than $100,000 a year, I would recommend incorporation. There are other benefits of incorporation that we're going to talk about down the world as we proceed with the podcast. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, Jim, I don't know if you want to add to that at all. or I add a, a little bit or a little, go a little further, that uh, a corporation is a legal person. And uh, if I'm working for you and, uh, and uh, you make a mistake, then you're the one who's responsible, even if I was your employee at the time. The same thing with a corporation. If I'm working for myself and I make a mistake, then I take the hit. If I'm working for the corporation, that's a legal, that's a legal person, and the legal person is responsible for it. And my my uh, home and my all my resources are not are not necessarily tied up with it. So it, it can be very very important that way. Another way is when, uh, particularly when you get to the point where you're making more money than you're spending, and you you may be bringing other people into the organization and so on. You don't need to do it in quarters or halves or whatever, but you can do it by shares, and it's it's much more flexible that way. And it uh, can give you the means to to plan your your finances better so that you pay less money in taxes with your tax planning. So those are those are all those those are all advantages. The the big disadvantage is it's it's more it's more work that you need to do. You need to to get your resolutions, but uh, particularly as you get into a into that area where there are, where the dividends are big, then that's the uh, the inconvenience I think pales. Besides that, yeah. So I, a couple of things you touched on. One is uh, this idea that um, somehow if if I'm incorporated and uh, that will somehow protect me from litigation. I mean, is that something that uh, is is a value, or is that just a myth? And um, <laughs> or do they just sue everybody, including the corporation? <laughs> well, they can sue the corporation, and the corporation normally doesn't have a lot of money in it. It has certain assets, but it doesn't uh, normally. It, it, the corporation wouldn't own the, the family home and and uh, all the, all the savings. So uh, there's a big reason there. It, it can insulate the the uh, the uh, realtor or the person, the, the business person, from uh, much of that uh, of the uh, of the liability. Now, uh, for such things as fraud and so on, I mean that that won't uh, it won't protect you against that. But from uh, ordinary uh, uh, mistakes or or things that have gone wrong in the business, it it can, if used properly, can uh, give you a great deal of protection. And to add more to what Jim has just said about um, liability when it comes to incorporation, of course, generally, the, the rule is a, a corporation has a separate entity. A separate, it's a separate entity. It has a separate personality in the sense that it affords each shareholders the immunity or the insulation from being personally liable for the acts of the incorporation. However, there, just, there are exceptions. There's always exceptions. <laughs> a shareholder cannot hide behind the veil of incorporation and commit a fraud. So if that happens, um, the corporate veil could be pierced and the shareholder be personally liable. Um, secondly, a director of a corporation is personally liable for unpaid wages of the employees for up to six months. Again, that is very important if a director 
because the director is the controlling mind of the corporation. And if an employee is not paid, the employer, employee can actually sue the corporation and the director, and the director will be personally liable. And thirdly, a director can also be personally liable for what they call source deductions. These are the payments you make to the CRA every month, you know, the EI or CPP and all of that. If the director fails to make those payments to CRA, the director will be personally liable. And there are a bunch of other duties and obligations a director owes to the corporation, like duties of good faith to act honestly. And if the director fails to comply with those obligations, the director will be exposed to personal liability. Going back to sort of, I'm a, I'm a new real estate agent. Um, what, in your mind, what would be a reason for them to incorporate besides the fact of maybe um, they're making more money than they're spending? What would be some other good reasons to do it? Because, I mean, you do have to file taxes for both your incorporation and your personal taxes, which can be expensive. And unless you're actually saving a whole bunch of money, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, that's what I've always thought. But So as we've talked about personal liability, which is a huge benefit of incorporation. There are other benefits as well. For instance, flexibility and access to grants and loans. Um, as a shareholder, a director, you have more access to grants and loans um, using a corporation. I, I understand that most banks are more comfortable giving loans out to corporate bodies than individual, individual owners. Right? So that is a huge advantage. Then the second advantage is continuity. Because a corporation is an independent legal personality or independent legal person, that means the corporation can continue in the absence of the director or the shareholder. So if a company has five shareholders and one shareholder dies, the company doesn't cease to exist. It continues in the absence of that shareholder. So that continuity is, is a huge advantage. And then another advantage is savings in taxes. Right? Corporate taxes are comparatively and relatively lower than personal income taxes. So if a renter is making up to $150,000 a year, the renter has the option of incorporating and keeping some of the earnings in the corporation and paying less in taxes because corporate taxes are lower than personal income taxes. And the renter is also um, has the ability to only pay himself or herself a certain amount of money in a year to lower the marginal tax rate that he or she is exposed to. So that flexibility is there because of um, the fact of incorporation. Charles, does it make sense if, um, so one of the things that can be really great for us in, in our industry, one of our, our greatest ways to build financial wealth is to buy investment properties. If I'm buying uh, an investment property a year, for instance, do I want to run that through my corporation or do I want that as a personal asset? What's a better, or, or is there some that I would want in my corporation and some as personal? Because that would be something that would be a consideration or Jim. That's one of the big advantages of uh, a corporation. You, you're, it's your accountant and your, your tax accountant who, can, who, can, who uh, calls the shots on that or should. But if you make $200,000 a year, you're paid, if you get a paycheck of $200,000, there isn't a lot that your accountant can do to help you minimize those taxes. But one of the things that if he's got, if he's, if you have a professional corporation uh, or uh, or even any any kind of a corporation through which you're, you're uh, getting your income, it gives him a lot more, a lot more room to deal with that. 
to to there are, there are all sorts of things that uh, that can be used to to delay the payment to to various things, but uh, uh, it takes a, you to get into that. You're looking for your accountant or your your tax lawyer. But the point is, if you if you don't have your corporation, the, the, your tax lawyer, or even the, the best uh, tax uh, uh, lawyer in the, in the city, there's not much you can do. You made this. You've got you know you've got these are your deductions. You know, <laughs> you're you're hooked. That's that's it. Yeah, I guess I guess like any sort of uh, investment. I mean, there's offsets that against your income that occur. But yeah, to your point, you certainly want to talk to your accountant before you make those decisions as to whether your company buys it or you buy it. Uh, probably depending on on what kind of income you're already earning and your financing and and the the income from it. And so there's all sorts of things which change year to year, month to month, or as I understand it, sometimes. Uh, week to week or even day to day there are some of those changes and uh, your, your uh, tax accountant or your tax lawyer will that's their business and they keep right on top of it uh, two things I may want to add to the decision to either buy property so the you know, personal name or through a corporation would be the added benefit of buying through a corporation would be number one personal liability if you buy an investment property through your corporation, and the, invest, the corporation is able to pay the mortgage, for instance, on, on the investment property, and there's no personal guarantee, the, the corporation simply walks away. Uh, sorry, the individual owner simply walks away. The, the, the corporation will be, personally, will be responsible for the, for the debt on, on the investment property. Then secondly is the, um, the small business exemption, the capital gains exemption. Right, which is only applicable to businesses, qualified businesses. So if you buy an investment property and say 10, 15 years later, you sell it for gain, yeah. you have the lifetime exemption of about $800,000 or so through the corporation. So those are the two. So, so your capital gains tax is, in, is high with um, uh, being in corporate versus yes. being personal? Okay. Yes, that is an advantage you can, you can benefit from. Okay. What if um What if I'm a, a new associate coming into real estate, and I and because this has happened with me, and they already have a company. So lots of times it's just it's just the ease of well, I, I've I've been running my businesses this way for so long, and I'm already incorporated. So we might as well continue on with that. Does that muddy the waters? Do you think having you know two businesses running through the same company? There again, I think you need to talk to your accountant first of all, and and uh, your and he, the tax lawyer, the accountant is where you, where you start. Tax accountant is where you go further, uh, and then you go to a to a tax lawyer for the real tricky questions. And there's lots of them in it. It's uh, it's not a simple area. Yeah, generally that's what I tell them. Talk to your accountant first. <laughs> well, yeah, and and plan it with him. Or and now there are her. Yes, yeah, good point. Uh, and there, there's uh, one other thing, when you go to borrow money. Yes, or it makes it easier. You can your books are all there, but because the the bank knows or whoever the, the lender knows that you may not be held liable for that loan. So when you're when you are borrowing money, you can expect that if when it's when it's your corporation, you can expect that you'll have to sign a personal guarantee. So those it's not it's not all uh, it's not all uh, uh, pluses. There are there are minuses too. Now I've also heard though too. Um 
and again, there's probably exceptions to this, or you might tell me to go talk to an accountant, is that uh, um, that obviously borrowing through your company is also a good way to avoid higher interest rates through, let's say, a traditional lender. Um, so if your company has, let's say your company has several hundred thousand dollars worth of, of cash in it, and you wanted to borrow from your company to do something with that, um, it could be a number of different things, but you're just taking a company loan. So you can set that interest rate. It doesn't have to be what the what a, a typical lender would be, would it? Sounds great. <laughs> but what am I going to tell you? Go talk to your account. <laughs> you betcha. Because you may find yourself uh, having to, you may get income attributed to you and sort of that sort of thing. No, it's it's great to, to have a corporation, but it uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it's not magic. It doesn't do everything by itself. Anything else uh, that you can share with us? Incorporation is, is nice, uh, but you need to do your homework. You need to make sure that the documents are all set out clearly. Um, I've, I've seen clients, you know, go to the registries and pay $500 or $600 and, and incorporate. And they probably have a partner or two with respect to the incorporation. And they haven't set out a United Shareholders Agreement. They haven't set out the written partnership agreement. Um, they haven't really determined the classification of their shares. They simply just tick the boxes, pay the money, and they have a numbered company or a named company. Um, I would really recommend against doing that. If you want to start a corporation, you should start right. You should, as Gina said, you know, get advice from an accountant, get tax advice, get a lawyer to help you with the structuring of, of the of the company. I have a matter that is in court right now. We have a trial in a few months. What happened was two or three partners started to invest in in a particular venture, and they did not have any. In fact, they did have a, a, a partnership agreement, which was a one-pager, just a one-page partnership agreement that said this is what A would do and this is what B would do. Two months into the relationship, um, A was not happy with the the way things were being run because A thought that they were going to make thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and B didn't think so. So they quickly realized that they were lost in translation. And in fact, they were not on the same page from get-go. And right now they've spent thousands and thousands of dollars in legal fees, which could have easily been prevented by maybe $2,500 in drafting up an animal shareholders agreement or a clearly worded partnership agreement that will specify the obligations of each partner and expectations as well, which is really where the problem comes from, expectations. Partner A might be expecting to, you know, break even within two months, while partner B might not have the same expectations as well. So you need to have these documentations in place. And if it's going to cost you money to do them, to put them together, by all means, spend that money. You're saving yourself headache. It's all, yeah, worth it. It's, yeah, like anything else, insurance, anything. It's you, you want to get those things in place. Otherwise, it's going to cost you more than if you had done it in the first place. Absolutely. Right? And then business will be distracted because things will yeah. not be, you know, going while you are fighting each other. Well, yeah, and, I, and I've certainly heard some really terrible stories around, you know, one shareholder maybe having more power over the other one and, and stealing money. 
right? And you don't know for a long time that all of a sudden the company has no money and you weren't made aware of that because you hadn't done the proper things in the first place to create the correct checks and balances between the, the various shareholders. I have another horror story, Corinne. Perfect. Okay. I love horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> These folks, they drafted up the unanimous shareholders agreement. And in that agreement, they indicated that any loan by any of the directors to the company, um, the rest of the directors would be personally responsible for that loan. So that was the deal. But after my client spoke to me, my client quickly realized that that might not hold water because in Alberta, under the Acknowledgement of Guarantees Act, or Guarantees Acknowledgement Act, rather, any personal guarantee might must be backed by a certificate granted by a lawyer. So if a director or a shareholder personally guarantees a loan, there has to be a certificate guaranteeing, showing that guarantee. Most importantly, there must be a certificate showing that the lender understood or the guarantor understood the import of the guarantee. That is or missing. Per, or the borrower. The borrower, yeah. That is missing with respect to my client's situation. They have an agreement. The directors will be personally responsible for any loan, but there's no certificate showing that. And it might be a little tough for my client to get back that loan from the individual directors because the company is not doing well. And the individual directors might not be personally liable for the loan. Again, the importance of seeking professional advice in putting these things in place instead of you know going on Google and... And doing that. Picking up some documents. It's kind of like getting your degree online as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so is it that the certificate was missing or they just failed to... The certificate was missing. Is missing. Yes. Okay. Is uh, missing. So keeping one with your lawyer or something might be a good idea. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they didn't even have the certificate in the first place. Okay. So they didn't know that they needed one. Uh, that's sort of been the big takeaway, right, is get your, get your professional advice first. <laughs> You know, you need the expert advice before you make these yes. decisions. For I sure. agree. Uh, anything else, Jim? Do you want to add yeah. anything? Yeah, there's. I think that uh, speaking to about uh, realtors just starting out, I don't think it's necessary to uh, to incorporate right away. I think that's uh, that comes later on, depending on your cash flow and various other things. Usually, when you want to expand and right away starting out, that's uh, that's a tough enough business anyhow. But one of the hor- real horror stories is uh, people who c- carry on business and don't incorporate to control the the downside, the risk. And there's all kinds of stories out there of people who, who people who work as partnerships or as they go under a trade name. And I think sometimes they think that they're protected. They are not. And people have lost their houses when when things go wrong. And they that that's that makes me as a lawyer <laughs> cringe. You know, if they'd have had if they'd had that protection, they'd have been they'd have been uh, far far better off. It's so important when you're when you're dealing with big risks. Yeah, as you're earning more money, then you, it would be good to get more and more advice around what the best well, things are it's, to do. It's, if things go wrong, what can happen? Yeah. You know, and or as uh, as Charles was saying that that where there's a when you have different different people involved uh, and you have a shareholders agreement. It's very important that that shareholders agreement you understand it and it, it, it you know what it does and, and what it doesn't do, and uh, before you get caught on the wrong end of the the wrong end of the stick. 
What would be actually, uh, one question sort of popped to mind. What would be a reason to dissolve an, uh, a corporation? Um, what would, because that happens as well. If you and I go into business and we're going to run a Dairy Queen, and this is excellent, we do good money, and then I, for whatever reason, I, I think that uh, I want that we should really go into business and sell skidoos. That's a big thing. And it's just completely different. But uh, we each have half the shares, and we, we can't, we, we can't uh, decide what to do. We need, I can't convince you. You can't convince me. Sometimes the only thing you can do is to dissolve the corporation. And that's one of the things you should have in any, in any good corporation, uh, certainly where you have more than one shareholder, a, sh a shareholder's agreement uh, uh, with a shotgun clause, which means that if you and I can't, can't agree, then I can make you an offer to buy all your shares at $10 a share. And you look at that and you can say, yes, I'll accept it, or you can turn it around, which is where the shotgun comes in, and I'll buy your shares, Jim, at $10 a share. Because it, it makes it harder for the, sh for the shareholder with more money to, to uh, take an unfair advantage of, of, the other, of the other shareholder. But there are things like that to, to, uh, to help. Ultimately, there's always some risk, <laughs> but uh, there are ways to uh, to protect ourselves from those to uh, to a large extent, and that's that can be very important. You you wouldn't typically though set that price um, out in the shareholders agreement, would you? You would wouldn't you um, want to have a third party come in at the no, no, time, no. or you'd set it out in advance? The standard way is that if, if I'm if we, I can at any time, so you and I are the only shareholders. Yeah. I can make you uh, an any offer. offer. At any time, anything. Okay. But the point is, the share—it's the shotgun. If I want to, if the shares are worth presumably uh, uh, twenty dollars a share, and I offer to buy yours uh, at a dollar a share, you can turn it around and buy my shares at the dollar a share. So when I make the offer, you want to make sure it's market value, otherwise, well, or whatever, I, whatever I'm prepared that it can come back to bite me. Yeah. So it's not <laughs> it's enough. not just a one a ah, one way deal. Okay, get it. So that's yeah. that's why that's uh, makes it more equitable. Yeah. Yes. Another mechanism too is to have in the USC the parameters surrounding valuation. It's important to have that there. The one I've done with my clients what I do is I have them nominate an accounting firm, a valuation firm that would provide valuation every year at the end of the general annual journey. Right, so you have an accounting firm that's been designated and is responsible for conducting evaluation of the business every year. That would be another way of determining the evaluation. Simply consulting with this firm and having them provide an evaluation of the of the shares. And if there is a problem with respect to the evaluation, there's also a mechanism in the U.S. that I prepared that. Both parties can appoint an arbitrator that will determine the value of the shares. Right again, bearing in mind the risk that Jim has indicated with respect to shotgun provisions, make sure that the offer that you're making is an offer you can accept. Right. In a small corporation, you can set all sorts of uh, of uh, conditions on the shares that they cannot be sold without the without the the approval of all of all the shareholders. Sure. That they can only be sold for, you know, for under certain circumstances and and so on, to make it 
to make it harder for for the stronger shareholder to take advantage of the weaker shareholders and so on. But the key is, of course, get a, get a good shareholder, get a good partner. <laughs> <laughs> so if I was considering getting incorporated, uh, I think it's important to understand the difference between what a, how a lawyer can give me advice and how an accountant can give me advice. Okay, so a lawyer will help with the legal structuring of the organization. For instance, a lawyer will help you with the types of classes of shares you need and their rights that will be attributable to those classes of shares. <clears throat> Would you need class A voting shares? Would you need class B preferred shares and all of the legal structure? And the lawyer would also advise you as to your exposure to liability being incorporated versus being a super operator. An accountant will now advise you on the tax implications of being incorporated versus being a sole proprietor. And the tax implications of paying yourself, do you pay yourself salary or do you pay yourself dividends? And when do you pay yourself, right? So some of those nuances that have um, tax implications would be the, the portfolio of an accountant and uh, not a lawyer. Well, I... Just to, to go further and, and muddy, muddy the water, probably, I think Charles answered it quite well, but the, account, the accountant will give you uh, advice as a, to the finances and to the taxes and how you can work within the, the structure uh, as, uh, from, from that time on, whereas the uh, lawyer would be, would be more likely to advise you as to uh, pitfalls legally and more particularly when you have more than one shareholder. When you're starting out and you only have your one shareholder, then it's not much of a problem. But when you get more than one, then, you're, then uh, you can run into problems and maybe eventually do because maybe no two people always uh, uh, agree completely all the time. But uh, that's, what, uh, that's what you have to deal with. But, but you don't need to worry about that when you're just starting out and you only have yourself as a shareholder. Then you're just fighting with yourself, <laughs> which happens too. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Charles and Jim, for your wisdom. Area members, we want to hear from you. Your feedback and suggestions for future podcast episodes will be critical to making sure we make this the strongest resource for you. Thanks to all who took the time to listen. We hope to see you the next time we are in your area. Thanks so much.